All right, we're, we're going to get back into our thoughts on give me wisdom. And it's, it's actually a prayer, it's a request. We're really just talking about wisdom, asking the Lord to help us in this, this deal. Uh, our, our desire for wisdom is an ongoing desire, isn't it? We know we need more wisdom for what life brings us, uh, what's ahead of us. And we especially need more wisdom for what the days ahead hold. Uh, who knows what that might be. And I do ask, if you do pray for Sandy and I, that, this is the one thing I, you can pray for a lot of other things too, but one thing I ask that you pray for us is that God would give us wisdom. It is so, so important as we govern our family, as we speak into your life and, and help and counsel and do all those kind of things. Uh, I, I pray you'd, you'd adapt that for yourself too. Lord, give me wisdom. Make that one of your primary requests. Uh, and there's this fascinating passage about wisdom. It, it kind of speaks about it. It doesn't use the word wisdom really. But it's in 1 Chronicles 12, 32. It says, the sons of Issachar, that was one of the tribes of Israel, the sons of Issachar had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. You know, that's what Jesus said, the Holy Spirit would be that for us, right? So there was this tribe in Israel that had such wisdom that they could counsel with, with Moses and all the leadership, and they knew exactly what needed to be done. Don't we need that for our families? We need that for our businesses. Uh, we certainly need that for our communities. We need that for our church right here. Uh, and Lord, help our national leaders as well. Uh, they knew exactly what Israel ought to do. The Holy Spirit is that for us. All right, so this give me wisdom. Last week, we, we got in part one with that. We looked at 1 Kings chapter 3. You remember that? We talked about Solomon's dream. And God asked Solomon a question. You remember what the question was? Remember the question? What do you want from me? I'll give you anything you want. That's a pretty big, big ask, isn't it? That's a big question that God would look at an individual and say, hey, I'll give you whatever you want. Whatever you ask me for next, I'll give it to you. And Solomon's response was his request. What was his, what was his ask? What, what did Solomon ask? God asked him a question, and then he asked God for this. What did he say? Remember? Lord, give me an understanding heart so that I can be a good leader. Right? I can, I can do what you called me to do. Give me an understanding heart. And now we put it together right there. We went into the Hebrew and looked at the, the word picture. An understanding heart is a hearing heart. It's a heart that hears. So Solomon basically was saying, give me the ability to hear so that I can get the wisdom that I need. And we talked about hearing people. We need to learn to listen to each other a little bit more. Two ears, one mouth, talk, listen twice as much as you talk. Right? We still ain't got that down yet, right? A hearing heart, but we don't just need to hear people because oftentimes we just hear people. We get overwhelmed by what they have to say and their problems and difficulties. We need to learn to hear God. So I believe Solomon was praying for all of that. He said, Lord, give me an understanding heart. Give me a heart of wisdom. Give me your wisdom. Help me to hear. All right. So this, we're going to get into part two today and we're going to go over to Proverbs chapter one. You want to go over there with me? We're actually going to walk through three or four different Proverbs. Then we're going to go over to James chapter one and... Um, We'll wrap it up, all right? Give me wisdom. So let's hear what Solomon has to say about wisdom. Okay, so God gave him wisdom, and this is going to be some of his words about what wisdom really is. And now think about this. Now, Solomon, he is a beautiful picture of God's redemption and restoration. Anybody know who his parents were? Who were Solomon's parents? David and Bathsheba. Remember Bathsheba, you know, David could kill Goliath, but... but the temptation with Bathsheba got it. And it's just, it's just I see his life. It's a beautiful picture of restoration here. Uh, their relationship was, was bad. It started off in a sinful kind of way, but God brought life out of it. And Solomon is a testimony that God can restore. 
God can restore even when we go off track, even when we get wrong. You know what I'm talking about? And, and somebody say amen for that because, uh, yes, <laughs> we, we know him to be true. So Solomon became a blessing for himself and got wisdom. His family was a blessing for Israel. It's also a blessing for the world. We're still reading some of his stuff today. All right, listen to this. Proverbs 1, 5, and 6. And there's a whole bunch we could read in Proverbs 1, 2, and 3. I pray you'd go back and, and fill in some of the blanks. We're going to just kind of cherry pick some, some verses here. But go back and read, especially chapters 1, 2, and 3. And uh, you, you'll just, it's just a, it's a wealth, a treasure, actually. Solomon says this. A wise man or woman will hear and increase learning. And a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Remember, what did he, he asked for a, what kind of heart? A hearing heart, or a heart that listens, right? So he says right here, a wise man will do what? They will fill in the blank for him. Help me out. A wise person will do what? Yeah. Will hear. You see, we live in a world where everybody is looking for their voice, but they don't, many of them don't have an ear. We've got all these platforms where everybody can speak their mind. And we think that's noble. and We think that's right. And everybody's got a voice. But the wisdom comes when everybody can hear. Wisdom comes from us hearing. And when we hear properly, then we can speak wisdom. So it says a wise man will hear and that hearing will increase knowledge. Now you think about how God created us. God created us with this body. We've got these five senses. You know, you study this in biology class and all that. We've got these five senses. What, what are they? Remember what they are? Hear, sight, taste, smell, and touch, right? That's our five senses. And that's, that's, that's how we take in data, right? Through the, all of those senses. We, and, and the Bible really speaks to two of those a lot. It speaks to the, the idea of us seeing and hearing all the things we need to see and hear. So this idea of, of hearing, we, we hear, it works like this. We hear and we take it in. We take it in. We see and we take it in. It's, 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 kind, of us, it's kind of like a computer takes in data. It takes it in. The mind then takes that and computes all the data. And it goes into what we call the heart or the mind or the spirit of a person or the soul of a person. All those kind of terms sometimes interchange. It goes into the mind and then we begin to make decisions based upon the data and our interpretation of it. Does that make sense to you? Okay. Not to get too technical, but you really work like a supercomputer, really, in a lot of ways. And he says, God wants you to be able to hear because it's when you learn to hear that you increase in learning. Any school teachers in here? Anybody ever taught school? Somebody taught Sunday school and all that kind of thing with little children. What is the hardest thing to get them to do? To be still and listen. You know, my mama taught me that lesson. You know, I, she would tell me sometimes to take out the trash. You should take out the garbage. And I wouldn't respond necessarily. But I heard her, but I didn't really hear. And mama didn't think I heard. Because she would say, Ron, take out the garbage. And I said, well, I heard you the first time. But did I really hear? Because what was her interpretation of hearing? <laughs> was responding properly, right? Because when I hear her say, take out the garbage, she doesn't want me to hear the verbiage, take out the garbage. She wants me to take out the garbage. And when I take out the garbage, she knows I heard her. Well, you know, the Bible uses the word hear like that. It says, don't just be a hearer, but be a 
a doer because when you hear properly, it, it influences your actions. And when you do properly, God knows that you heard properly. Okay. Mama just kind of taught me that a little bit. And she also had ways to persuade me to hear better. You understand that? And, and I promise you, I, I mean, this is not a, a, a lesson on discipline, but my daddy knew that if he hit my rear end just right, my ears perked up. He just knew that. I got my hearing got a little sharper. You know what I'm talking about? He, he was convinced. My daddy was convinced still to this day that there is a nerve that runs from my, my buttocks region to my brain. And if he hit that nerve just right, I would respond just right. Did anybody know about anybody's parents like that too? See, my dad, he, he was a neurologist. He, he just was a sharp man. <laughs> he, he knew about, and he was a psychologist. He could, he could just, he could figure it out. And, and anyway, uh, God help us with some parents today like that. Amen. <laughs> so we, we need to hear so that we can increase in knowledge or in learning. And a person of understanding will attain wise counsel. Now, what, what's wise counsel? It says to attain wise counsel. Well, wise counsel is, is when you've got a dilemma, you've got something that you're facing, a problem, a difficulty, uh, just a life situation maybe, and you know that you're insufficient in and of yourself. So what do you do? Do you just look inward again? No, you go and you talk to a friend who may have gone through a similar situation. You go and you talk to a grandparent or a parent or a, a, another believer in Christ or maybe a, a leader or a pastor or, or maybe a doctor if you need that kind of wise counsel or something like that. It says if you are really smart and you really want it, you got, you got to know that you're not the end-all, be-all of everything in your life. And a smart person will ask somebody that's smarter than them what to do. Does that make sense? wonder what keeps us from asking sometimes for wise counsel. Ah, you knew that, didn't you? Just our own pride. Huh. And we want to attain wise counsel so that we can understand the proverb. Life will throw a lot of those at you. An enigma, the words of the wise, and their riddles or their dark sayings. The world throws a lot of that at you. You need answers. You need help. And then he says in verse number 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So you get, you get some things here just to lay out the book of Proverbs a little bit for you as you read. You're going to see some, a lot of contrast. And one of the main contrasting points is this. You have the wise and you have the foolish. It, it, it puts them side by side oftentimes, just like it does right here. The wise look for the, and live in the fear of the Lord, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. See that? And you're also going to see in the next verse, you're going to see three words. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. The book of Proverbs is basically built around those three words. And they all work together. Because when you get the right knowledge and you understand how to use it properly, whatever that knowledge may, it may be in business. It may be uh, in, in some kind of trade or skill. Or it may be raising a family. It may be in how to handle your money. It, it's all kinds of ways. It's not, you know, the Bible's not a, a book about religion. It's a book about life. It's a book that helps you with life. So when you get the proper knowledge and you understand how to use it, that's wisdom. You see what I'm talking about? It just all kind of dovetails in together. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That took my mind over to Proverbs 9.10. Look at this. This kind of says the same thing, just uses a little different word right in the middle. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. There's those three words right there. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
Now we're talking about give me wisdom. Now, now we're going to look at where, where does wisdom really start? Like when God would answer this question, what, what, is, what does it mean to be wise? God would say something like this through a man like Solomon. Wisdom is when you have the fear of the Lord. Now what is that? Because that kind of is a, a religious phrase. What is the fear of the Lord? Let's, let's answer this idea. What is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is the idea of a reverence from, from, a, from our heart, a reverence that leads us to honor, to respect, to cherish, to obey, and to worship God. Okay, can you, can you go with that? I'll submit that to you. That's, that's the idea of the fear of the Lord. It's, it's this idea of reverence. Now, there are places, let me be real honest about that idea of fear of the Lord. There are places where fear really means free, fear. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's not a reverential fear. That is like, ah! That, that's like terrified, you know what I'm saying? It, so it sometimes does mean that. Okay, so you can't take that idea out of it. And you know what? My daddy taught me, again, thank God for my mom and dad. They taught me that. They taught me both sides of that. I had a reverence for my father to honor him. And when I did not do that, he knew how to make me very afraid. <laughs> I know that, that sounds like something crazy into a modern ear today, that kind of thing. But my, my parents knew how to put the fear of the Lord in me. Thank God for that. You know what I'm talking about? Thank God that was an anchor for my soul, actually. I didn't even realize what was happening. I thought I was... You know, I, I teased my mom and daddy. I said, I could, call, I could turn y'all in today for child abuse. Y'all could be arrested for what y'all did to me in today's world. You know what I'm talking about? And, and mama said, go ahead, do it. And she still ain't scared of me. I'm six foot three and she's five foot. She still ain't scared of me. Boy, you watch it. You, you know, I'll get you still. You'll see her. She's feisty. She's mean. She's going to be real nice to y'all. But she's a mean woman. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> y'all just don't know her. No, I'm kidding. She's, she's a lovely woman. Uh, although I did have some doubts growing up, but it turned out okay. Uh, she, she probably is. Hey, Mom, how you doing? Love you. God bless you. Just fast forward through this. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, but they taught me that. They taught me that, you know, there are lines in life, and there are lines in this house, and if you cross them, there will be severe consequences, and there's no doubt about it. And my daddy, he, his, okay, I'll leave it alone. Y'all understand what I'm talking about, Okay. The fear of God. Get this in your, in your crawl. Get this in your spirit. The fear of God. God is no one to be trifled with. You understand that? If he is who he says he is, and he is what we see created in all this power and all this majesty and all this stuff, he is not to be trifled with. In fact, God could be very dangerous from time to time. You understand that? I mean, we read stories in the Bible that absolutely shock our modern minds. Uzzah touches an ark when he's not supposed to be anywhere close to it. He touches it and tries to prop it up, and, and he's electrocuted, falls over dead, and the whole crowd scratching their head saying, Oh, oh my Lord. And they all step back, and David puts the ark back in Obed-Edom's house. You know what I'm talking about? We read stories like that, that, that they cross a line, and Achan does this at Ai, and, and next thing you know, it's consequence for him and his whole family. What, what in the world is going on with these stories? Because it just shocks our minds that that would be the same God who died on the cross. But there are lines, and, and the fear of the Lord teaches us that there are commandments, and there are things that we should do and shouldn't do. 
In fact, if we wanted to be real honest, you know, God's kind of like, it's kind of like electricity, you know. Electricity is, is very wonderful when it's in its right place. You're an electrician. It's very wonderful when, when you got it and can contain it and do all this kind of thing. It's harnessed. But what happens if you misuse it? What happens if you violate the laws of electricity? It becomes very dangerous at that point. So you know what we probably ought to do in the front yard, instead of putting welcome on the sign, we ought to put warning, God is in this place. Be very careful. <laughs> we might ought to do that, you know what I'm saying, for all of us. So it probably wouldn't be hurting, you know, and because my parents did teach me to even reverence this whole property and stuff like that. You know, they taught me that kind of thing, that there were certain things that you could do in Walmart, or where they have Walmart, we had Ben Franklin and TGNY and all that kind of thing, you know what I'm talking about. We could do those kind of things over there, you could act like that at the ball field, but when you come in here, hey, boy. And, you know, the, the neat thing is it didn't put a real staunchness and stiffness in me. It might have done that to you. It just put, like, a reverence. That there was just something different about this place. It's a sanctuary, you know. It's, it's, it's a place where we meet with God. And you're not going to have to fool. You know, I'm just saying. I don't know how that hits you, but I think it's important. I think it's important. It's, it's all building in this fear of the Lord. Okay. Now, this idea of the fear of the Lord... Let me submit this to you also. It, it's a picture of a person that's in a right and healthy relationship with the Lord of heaven and earth. Okay, so when he says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it's that a person who is in right relationship with the Lord, that is the beginning point of wisdom in their life because they are in touch with the wise one, with the wisdom giver. Does that make sense to you? So the fear of the Lord describes this idea of a right relationship that we are to have with, with, G, with, with the Lord. Now, let's, let's, thinking through all this, the fear of the Lord, I, I had this kind of relationship with my papa. I loved him dearly. I, I would give most everything I have to have another conversation with him. He passed away when I was about 24 years old. I loved him, honored him, respected him, wanted his approval. If I had a dilemma, if I had something going on in my life, Guess who I picked up the phone? He supported me. He, my, my whole baseball career was basically part of his doings. He supported me and, uh, you know, financially. He supported me. Uh, just moral support at all the games, all those kind of things, you know. It's one of the reasons I stayed in college and, and played in college in Memphis, just so I could be close to him. I had opportunity to go somewhere else. I wanted to be close to him because I wanted him to be a part of that with my life, and I wanted to share that with him, you know what I'm talking about? And, and I had this, this reverence with him that I, you know, if I did something wrong, you know, I, I tell, if Mamaw find out about it, please don't, please, please, please just don't tell Papa. And it wasn't that I was scared because he wasn't my discipline, my daddy was. But I just didn't, I had such a reverence for him and such a love for him. I just didn't want him to think anything ill of me, even though I wasn't always doing right. I just didn't want Papa to know about it. You know what I'm talking about? Because I honored him so much. You know? And I just was thinking, and if you press it too far, it'll break down, but I was just thinking about it. That, that, that kind of explained this idea of the fear of the Lord. I just had that kind of relationship with my grandfather, that I just feared him. But it didn't make me stiffen up around him. It actually made me love him and respect him. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Now, Jesus kind of says the same thing. I, I, let, let me just give this to you. Jesus frames up this idea of the fear of the Lord kind of like this. Over in Mark 12, 29 through 30, I think I got the scripture right there on, on the board for you. 
Jesus is asked a question about what is the greatest commandment. And he responds this. Jesus responds with this. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And now you, you know this part. You've heard it time and time again. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And he goes on to say there's another one real important too. Love your neighbor the way you'd want to be loved. Now, I'm going to put these two ideas side by side. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Jesus says, this is how you fear the Lord. You love him with all of your heart. You love him with all of your soul. You love him with all of your mind and you love him with all of your muchness, with all of your might, with all of your strength, with everything you've got. That would be your strength. That would be your material possession, anything, whatever's in your, your sphere of influence and in, in your keeping. You would honor God with that. That's what strength means in this idea of what Jesus says. So Jesus would put those two intentions together and he would say, you want to know what the fear of the Lord looks like? It looks like a person who really loves God. Now, and I got a little definition here. Love, loving God simply means this, to want what is best for God. Husbands, isn't that how we love our wives is that we, we, we want what's best for them, whatever that might be. And we don't just give them what they need. We'll give them a whole lot of what they want. We just want what's best for them. So when, when, we, when we orient our life around the fear of the Lord, it looks like this kind of love, that we really want what's best for God. Now you think about that. If, if we were to be a people who lived our lives and who made our decisions on that premise, Lord, what is best for you? What, what, how do we usually make our decisions as people? How do we usually make, make our decisions? On what is best for, for me. See, Jesus said, but if you're going to follow me and live in this kind of life I'm talking about, you're going to have to learn to deny yourself and put yourself on the back burner. And it's not that it's, it, that's, that's some kind of negative thing. Actually, Jesus says that's the way to the best life that you possibly can live, is to deny yourself, take up this cross, and come Follow me right into this love of God. And I'll teach you how to love God. How did Jesus teach us how to love God? Well, he we see him talking to him a whole lot. We see him doing things like this. We, we hear him praying this, actually. Not my will, but yours be done. You know what Jesus was doing in that moment? He was putting himself aside, and he was saying, God, I'm going to go to this cross. And you know what I want most of all? I want to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength as I go through this terrible situation. If, as I drink this cup of red, I want to make sure that I love you as best I can. You hear what I'm talking about? So this is that fear of God. It's, 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 it, we say the fear of God or fear of the Lord. It's the idea that we learn as people to literally love God with everything that's in us. So how would you, how would you love God with all of your heart? That, that's kind of like your will. How, how would you love God with all your will? Well, Jesus taught us how to do that. You submit your will for God's will. How do you love God with all of your soul? That's kind of like that's the essence of who you are. You know what I'm saying? Heart and soul kind of overlap a little bit. How do you love God with all of your mind? How, how, how are you going to love him with all of your mind? That, that's something we got to figure out. These different parts of us. How are we going to love God with, with everything I've got? <laughs> with my strength. 
How are we going to do that? You know, that's, that's the beginning point of wisdom for you to align yourself in a relationship to where you fear God to the point that you love him. And you say, God, what is in this for you? What, what's best for you right here? I got a decision to make, Lord. I got a decision to make about my business. What is best for you in this business? I'm going to tell you, we need to rewire our minds like that now. Because that is not our first thought. Even as kingdom people, that's not our first thought. But Jesus says, this is the beginning point of wisdom. It's what Proverbs says. Are you all right? This is how to be a wise person now. Go back to Proverbs 2. Proverbs 2. Let's look at some things right here. I'm going to get my, my board here. Uh-huh. Let's write some stuff down. Y'all going to go to school. Is that all right? You just got out of school. That's right. No, but we're going to keep learning, though, ain't we? We got out of school, but we got to keep learning. All right, so, so we got it up there. He says this. Let's just read all the way through it, those first three verses. My son and my daughter, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. Okay, now this is the wisest man telling us about wisdom. And really, he's telling us how he got it. Because this is exactly what Solomon does, okay? This is exactly what he does. So, so look at some things. Here's some things for us to do right here in Proverbs 2. If you, so first of all, we've got to receive. I hope y'all can read this chicken scratch back there. You've got to learn to receive. Receive means you're open. Receive means you're good ground. Right? We don't have time to go into Jesus' parable about the soil. You remember the parables about the soil? Some soil couldn't receive the seed because it had other stuff going on, right? It was just too cluttered. Stuff choked it out or it couldn't get any depth of earth. You remember all that kind of thing? Or the enemy came and just stole it out of the... It couldn't receive it. But there was soil that received, and that soil produced 30, 60, 100-fold of what God wanted, okay? So we need to learn to receive. He says, receive my words. And then we also learned... What's the next one? I got them underlined right there. To treasure. To treasure his words. We, we would maybe say the word cherish or adore. It's, it's like God's word is the most precious thing to us. When he speaks, it changes everything. It's, it's a treasure for us. Okay, he said, treasure my commands within you so that you can incline. All those fellows know what it is to recline. But what does it mean to incline? It's kind of like bend yourself towards it or something, isn't it? It's an effort that you put forward to incline your ear to wisdom. Uh, oh, wait, wait a minute, what's that? That's inclining, you know. Let, let me want to hear that. You perk it up. Say, my dog, when he hears something, what does he do with his ears? And apply. This is all stuff we got to do now. If you're going to get wisdom, you're going to have to put a lot of effort to get it. That's just a bottom line. It doesn't come, I'm telling you, it doesn't fall out of the sky. It doesn't come to you after you get through praying. It comes after much, much, much effort. You know this, right? Apply your heart to understanding. Yes, and here's, here's some good stuff. If you cry out. Solomon's heart cried out to God while he was asleep. Because it was so in him that even when he was asleep and not cognitive, it, absolutely his heart cried out to God and God gave him a dream and asked him. Because it was his heart cry. 
Cry out for discernment. That's the ability to make right decisions. And lift up your voice. How do you lift up your voice? Okay. How do you know your kids really want something? They let you know, don't they? That's kind of what I think Solomon's saying. You know, if you want, want this, let God really know. I'm not saying you've got to make a, a mockery or do it in the middle of Piggly Wiggly or something like that. No, you're in your closet doing all this kind of, Lord, I'm listening. I need your wisdom. I need your understanding. I need your desire. I need the ability to make better decisions. Lord, you know where my decisions have got me in the past. My goodness. That ought to be enough for us to cry out right there. You know what I'm talking about? He, he keeps going right here. Let's go to the next. If you seek her, her is wisdom right here. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure. So we, we got seek. We got search. Can't you see right here? If you're going to go after wisdom, you're going to be a pretty busy person. God said you ought to take your, your smartness more serious. <laughs> seek. That, that seek and search kind of go together, don't they? Seek and search. Search as for a hidden treasure. Now, what would y'all do in this, in this church building right now if I told you that there is a treasure worth $5 million in this building, and if you find it, you can have it? What would you do? I mean, sermon's over. We're going to stop listening, right? We heard that last thing. We're going to go find it. Now what you're going to do? I mean, you're going to turn. You're going to knock over the kids. You're going to push over the people. You're going to try to go get it, ain't you? Mm-hmm. I know some of y'all ain't as saved as others. Some of y'all would do that. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's $5 million. I'll, I'll pray for you later. All right? <laughs> you would because it's a treasure, and you know what that could do for you and your life and your family and even your, your generations to come. That could really set you up. So you're going to go after it, and you're going to search. You're going to seek high and low. You're going to climb up in the attic. You're going to do everything you can under every nook and cranny. That's the idea. That's the idea of what you ought to do for wisdom. He says, then, that's a big word right there in, it, in that passage, then. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Hmm. Doing all this, receiving treasure, inclined to apply and crying out, lifting up your voice, seeking, searching. Then, then. Kind of, kind of reminds me, Jesus kind of said like this, ask Seek and knock. Isn't that what he said? Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now, you, if you do that, you're going you're gonna to know God more. But I, I like to look at it like this, too. If you knew, know that, do that, you're going to know God more, but you're also going to find the knowledge of God. I mean, the knowledge that God knows about life you're going to know that. So that's what Jesus came to tell us. He came to tell us the knowledge of God is available. I'm going to tell you what it looks like. I'm going to tell you what it is, actually. He came to reveal some of that to us. Okay? And now, see, that's what a disciple does. A disciple goes from just believing in Jesus. We believe in Jesus. We believe He died. We believe He rose again on the third day. We believe in Jesus. We believe we should follow Jesus. But a disciple doesn't just believe in Jesus. A disciple begins to understand that they need to believe what Jesus believed. You understand what I'm talking about? Because that, that's a whole different ballgame right there, isn't it? It's just believing in Jesus to get me to heaven. 
or get me into the kingdom of God, that's a wonderful thing. But believing what Jesus believed, now I become a disciple. And my mind gets transformed. I, become, I begin to think like he thinks. And the fear of the Lord now gives me that kind of wisdom. All right. What time are we supposed to get out of here? We usually start at 11, so 12, and 12, and then what we usually get out of here? <laughs> Lord, there just ain't enough time in the day. For the Lord gives wisdom. Say that with me. For the Lord gives wisdom. What is the source of wisdom? The Lord gives it. He's the source of wisdom. The Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth or from his word come knowledge and understanding. All right, let, let's go to this one, then we'll, then we'll pick up later. Okay, in James 1, I think, next week maybe. Proverbs 3, 3, 5, and 6. You know this scripture. You, you know it real, a lot. Easy. This easy peasy. If you've been in church any length of time, you've already heard six sermons and three Sunday school lessons on this verse. <laughs> Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. You know that? You've heard that before, haven't you? It's a wonderful truth. It's a wonderful path to wisdom right here. So now he says this. Trust in the Lord. Trust in Yahweh. Trust in the creator of the heavens and the earth. Trust in the Lord. Trust is a, kind of another word for faith kind of thing. But, it, but it's, it's such a, a, a beautiful word. Trust is a beautiful word. Trust in the Lord with all your Heart. Okay, so now we got, we got some alls here. All right, so we got all your heart. And then all your what? Ways. Right? So we're going we're gonna to trust God. And this is the intensity level of our trust. We're going to trust God with all of our heart. What did Jesus just teach us? You need to love God. What, what did he say? Same idea. With all of your heart. In, you know, athletics kind of taught me about what it means with all your heart. Because if, if you, in, in the athletic world, if you didn't put all of your heart, something about your body didn't respond right. You know what I'm talking about? You could get somebody whose body was not in line and not as good and not as toned and not as athletic as somebody else's, but if a person with all of their heart, they could do things that a person who was doing it half-hearted couldn't do, even though they may be more gifted. You know what I'm talking about? So he's telling, that just kind of taught me because when I was the kind of player that I had to put everything in it. You know, Pete Rose was kind of one of my role models when I was growing up, watching him play. And if anybody ever played the game of baseball with all of their heart, it was Pete Rose. And you better not be between him and whatever he's getting to. He was that kind of player. He played with all of his heart. A lot of people didn't like him because of that because he seemed arrogant and he seemed cocky. But you better not get in the way because his heart was in it. And you, you look at Pete Rose. He looked at somebody that you'd go to the, uh, to the restaurant with and have chips and salsa with. He didn't look like one of these big linebacker type guys. He didn't look like that guy, did he? He didn't look like a normal guy, wasn't quite as tall, wasn't quite as big. But you know what he had that everybody else didn't have? And he became like the greatest hitter the game's ever seen. You know what he had that nobody else had? He had heart. You know what cuts the difference between a Christian and somebody who goes to church, between a real follower of Jesus and somebody who's just playing around? It's the heart. They got their heart in it. If your heart's in it, everything else comes with you. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I've had times when I've served God with all my heart. And I've had other times when I've done it half-heartedly. And you know, it never turns out good when you're halfway in it. 
So the contrast is this. You can either trust the Lord or you can trust yourself. Isn't that that kind of what he puts in in intention right there? He says, lean not. So trust in the Lord. Let Let me say it like this. Lean on the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on yourself. Or let me say it like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't trust just what you know. You could really say it like that. Okay, it's synonymous. Now, now let, me, let me try something right here. Let me see this. You, you can see me real good right there. Okay, if, if I'm trusting this chair to hold me up, I'm just kind of halfway trusting it right now. You know what I'm talking about? But if I, if I lean on out here, and I lean on out here, pretty soon, you know what happens? I get to the point of no return, and that chair better hold. You know what I'm talking about? And, and I'm leaning. Learning to lean, learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on G. That, see, that idea. Y'all see this chair wobbling there? But you get the point. You know, it's, it's a bad illustration, but you get the point. God said, I want you to lean on me so much that if I move, you'll fall flat on your face. I, I want you to put all of your weight all the way to that business, all the way to that family, all the way to those kids, all the way to those finances. I want you to trust me with that. I want you to lean so hard on me that you know I got it. And stop trusting yourself so much. That's another tension we see. Somebody who will trust the Lord and trust themselves. We see that in Proverbs a lot too. Trust yourself. You know why? You know why you shouldn't trust yourself? Let me not, not try to insult you. You really shouldn't trust yourself because you're really not that smart. Look in the rearview mirror. You'll figure that out. Now, I'm not trying to insult you. I've had to do that myself and figure out that I'm really not. I've made some pretty bonehead mistakes. And you're really not that smart. And, and, and you know, you may be educated and you may have some skills. God's probably gifted you with some things. But without him, we're really just not that smart. If, if for no other reason, we don't know all the factors. We can't see all the angles. We can't see all the decisions that need to be made. We, we don't have the factor of past, present, and we certainly don't know what the future holds. But guess who does? So when he says, lean on me, I, say, I, I, I understand. I can pull the past together. I can pull the present together. And oh, yeah, by the way, I know what the future holds. So I'm going to help you make this decision based on everything that I know. Or you can make it based on everything you know. It, it's just up to you. But God gives us the option. Now, granted, I don't, I don't know why it is. But some, some, some ideas from God and some input from God come very quickly. Some of it comes very slowly. Can I just be real honest with you on that? Sometimes God, you ask God a question or lay a dilemma in front of him. Man, it'll manifest. The answer will come. Somebody will give you a word or you'll see a scripture and boom, that's what I'm supposed to do. I got it. Some of it you got to chew on for six months, two or three years. Why is that? Well, maybe because we, 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 maybe we need to just be more in the process of all of this. It doesn't mean it's not coming. It just means maybe I got some work to do. To get it. Now, trust in the Lord with all your heart and with all your ways. 
all your ways. Uh, that, that word ways right there just means the course of your life. Every aspect and facet of your life, every road that your life has, whatever that might be. Trust Him with everything about you. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. What does it mean to acknowledge? Help me out before we go. We're almost done. What does it mean to acknowledge? Except? To know. It's kind of, you see the word knowledge right in the middle of that word acknowledge, right? So if you, if you were to walk in this room right here, as I did with Chase this morning, he came walking in and I said, hey, Chase, what did I do? I acknowledged him. He's so pretty, it's hard not to see him, ain't he? <laughs> I acknowledged him, okay? Now, now think about it. It's just real basic and simple. No big grand revelation. It says in everything you've got to do in life, recognize God in it. Recognize him. Acknowledge him. You got a purchase to make? Tell the salesman, I got to go home. I'll get back with you tomorrow. If you're a salesman, you don't want to hear that. <laughs> but but uh, maybe, maybe I have to. Or maybe I can do that before I go to the appointment and, and have God's mind on it. But when I get there, but you know what I'm talking about? I've got to take some time because I got to see if he's in this and see what he wants on all this. You know what I'm talking about? Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Lord, you. you I could throw out all the things I've thrown out before. The family, the children, the business, and the finances, the money, all of that kind of thing. Throw it out there. How, how do I? Lord, I'm just going to acknowledge you in all this. And you, won't, you probably won't use this, that word. In fact, you don't even have to say that acknowledge. Just, just acknowledge it. Lord, I need your help right here. It might be that simple. It might be just that simple just to ask for help. Because, see, I've, I've learned in my relationship with God, I've, I've grown to a place that he and I are on such speaking terms, it's not real formal anymore. It's not real starchy anymore. I don't say, Lord, I acknowledge you. I just wake up and say, good morning. You know what I'm talking about? Or sometimes I, it, my prayer is so simple. Lay the financial thing out there and say, here it is. What you think? It's just me and him. You know? I, I, don't, I, I hope that helps you. And the promise is this. If you'll trust in the Lord and don't lean on your own understanding, acknowledge him in everything that you're doing. He's going to direct you. Now, that, that direct, I, I like this, this, this translation a little bit better. He's going to straighten it out. That's kind of what that word means. That he's going to straighten out the path He's going to straighten out you. He's going to straighten out the details. He's going to straighten out the situation. If you will acknowledge him, he'll give you the wisdom you need to straighten the whole thing out. You hear that? That's a pretty good promise, isn't it? I'm, I'm going to end with that. I've, I've got another whole bunch, don't Ashley. i got a whole bunch still left on there. But uh, y'all got it. I'm still trying to get in my group. I've been missing y'all and seeing y'all. and One day we're just going to have a, a whole feast day. We're just going to Teach until you fall out, or I do one. That'll be all right. <laughs> Give me wisdom. That's our point. That's what all this is about. Lord, I need your wisdom.